Hey there, Full Disc listeners. We've got something special for you today. In the current global pandemic world we're living in, we at Full Disc started feeling the huge void being left by the extreme lack of aviating going on. Our good friends at Mudspike Aviation felt the same. We both agreed that something needed to be done. Since we couldn't get out and watch our friends fly, we figured what better way to keep in touch than inviting them into our virtual flight line and having a simple conversation about all things aviation. For seven straight hours, we had live conversations with military pilots, airshow pilots, warbird owners and operators, social media personalities, and photographers. The audio was recorded live, and while there were definitely some technical issues that popped up, we feel that the quality of the conversation greatly outweighs the quality of the audio. Without further ado, Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present the following for your listening pleasure. Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation presents an aviation conversation. Welcome, everybody, to the first virtual air show hosted by Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation. Um, we hope everybody's safe during these times. I am Richard Souza of Zulu X-Ray Photography. I'm joined here today uh, by Nick Moore of Gravity Images. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing real well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing doing excellent. Um, we, we want to thank all all of those who are joining us to here, and um, and uh, we hope that this virtual air show brings a little sunshine and uh, a little distraction to these difficult ti- these difficult times. Um, for those of you who just joined us and have not been accompanying uh, the, uh, the the virtual air show, and this is your first time tuning in, uh, you've probably guessed that you know there's no footage of, of pilots doing their routines or, or of planes flying. But it's just um, just people who are passionate about aviation sit down and talking about um, aircraft and aviation air shows, whatever comes to mind. Um, and when they asked me to do this particular segment uh, to lead this particular segment i jumped at the opportunity because it involves one of the pillars of the warbird community and it's a staple at almost every air show around and we're talking about the legendary t6 texan uh, or harvard depending on where you're coming from and um so i'm i'm excited to introduce uh, our next guest which is uh lou of very how you doing lou I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time um, to, to, to sit in here and just chat with us. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and, and uh, how do you get into to aviation? Uh, well, originally I'm from Long Island, New York. I live in Virginia, southwest of Virginia, near Roanoke, Virginia right now. Uh, I fly out of Michigan and Virginia. Uh, Aviation started with my dad. He uh, was a airline captain for Eastern Airlines. So I started flying on the jump seat in the uh, airliner transports uh, along with my brother. We were so small, my dad would strap us in the jump seat together. So after I graduated from high school, I started flying along with my brother uh, 50 years ago last year. And uh, it's been 51 years come June that I've been, I've been flying started at the age of 17 and uh in fact i even got a chance to go back to where i soloed back at republic airport in farmingdale uh when i did the catch 22 uh promo flight for walt disney productions uh last summer and oh, that's uh, awesome 
and I retired. I'm a retired airline captain from, uh, well, American officially, I guess you'd call that. I was originally hired by Piedmont back in 79. I have 37 years as an airline pilot, and the majority of that was as a captain. I, I flew the Boeing aircraft, 737, 757, and the 767. And I got into Warbirds thanks to my brother, who is a retired airline captain also. He got into the airline business. He was six years junior to me. He was He's three and a half years older, but he has over a thousand hours of flying formation uh, and uh, Warbirds, uh, mostly T-6s. And it was thanks to him I got into the Warbird uh, uh, flying uh, back in 2010. And I've got almost 27,000 hours, but uh, the guys I fly with, have a lot more time in the warbirds than I do. And I don't, you know, just my 27,000 hours doesn't equate to what they know as far as these warbirds, but I've got about 300 hours in a T6. And, uh, well, taking us back, taking us back to that first flight, what did you solo in? A Cessna 150, two seater. And I can remember that day as vividly as the day it happened, uh, even today. And it felt like my instructor was sitting right next to me. I went to ask him a question, but he wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how focused I was. And anytime I fly, I'm focused. This T6 has made me a better pilot than I've ever been. Uh, You concentrate on that airplane from the time you pull it out of the hangar to the time you push it back in the hangar. And uh, it's just a hands-on airplane. Uh, no autopilot. It's all steam gauges. Uh, you're constantly flying that airplane, even on the ground. I think that's and about the first get, time I've heard that today. After you get done flying that airplane, you're tired. And that's an airplane you just don't want to fly tired. And uh, it's the hardest warbird to fly because of the amount of airflow that's necessary to to transition across the tail section and plus it has a narrow gear one of the narrow narrowest gears a p-51 and corsair are easier to fly than the p-6 is that is that the reason why i guess that that the nowadays the, T, the t-6 is the transition aircraft to the p-51 uh more than likely it is if you can fly a t-6 you can fly a p-51 p-51 has a lot wider gear just like a corsair it's more stable on the ground. It won't it won't dance on you. You have to you have to keep that tail on the ground. If you unload the tail on a T six, you're going to do a dance across the runway and maybe ground loop. Uh, some guys tend to I've known experienced pilots with a thousand, almost two thousand hours who have ground looped airplanes because there was that momentary lapse of concentration and just relaxing that stick just a half inch or an inch, thinking you have it all the way back and it's called unloading the tail. It just, and it's a steerable tail wheel. The airplane was originally built with a with a lockable tail tail wheel. It was cantilevered. It just moved freely on the ground as you taxied. So most, if not all, now have what's called a P fifty one steerable tail wheel, and it just gives more more maneuverability and safety on the ground, especially on landing. And when you, when you were looking for a warbird, uh, why the T6? Well, ma- mainly for, because of my brother. I mean, I started, I flew in his rear seat and I flew his airplane. 
and the guys he flew with uh, were flying T6s, so that's why I went to that airplane. And uh, so he he helped train me, and I actually qualified formation quicker than anybody's ever qualified formation. That was because of my brother and training me. Uh, you know, we we fly side by side. Initially, I flew in his rear seat, and he let me fly the airplane in in formation with the other guys that he flew with. And uh, and then I, when I got my own airplane and got qualified to fly the airplane, we'd go up together uh, side by side and I'd maneuver around him. Uh, he'd give me the hand signals necessary to, you know, fly in formation. So, and then I, I'd go to these formation clinics that occur all over the country. Uh, and uh, the one I went to was in Dubuque, which is the predecessor to Oshkosh. Um, every year. Uh, um, I have to say that, uh, you know, taking that back the time when we did the air to air, I thought that, you know, it was, it was pretty impressive how, um, you know, for whatever reason uh, you um, weren't able to make the briefing and, and uh, you showed up because we thought that you weren't going to make it and you showed up and um, everybody was saying that, you know, Oh, he's not going to make it. You're like, I'll be there. (laughs) And sure enough, you were you were dead on, and 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 to see you uh, just come right up and, and and position yourself and the way you position yourself, I guess you know, is a testament definitely to your training. Yeah, I told the flight, I told the flight crew what they needed to do in order for me to join up, and they gave me the turn, and then I came in on them, and uh, then we we all flew straight and level, and then uh, the photo uh, commander took over. And uh, you know, told me what to do, and I've got the photos in my office here uh, as a testament to what we did that day. Yeah, it was definitely fun. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was a that was a tough day of flying too. That was right after Hurricane Michael came up out of the Gulf and came up through the through Florida, the Carolinas, and into Virginia. And it was probably one of the it probably the roughest flying I had done in formation because we did the Potomac. The Potomac flight that we do every year, uh, where we go up over Mount Vernon, past Andrews Air Force Base, up over the uh, uh, Pentagon and Arlington National Cemetery, and uh, it, that was a rough day. And uh, it had calmed down quite a bit, you know, when I joined up on it with you guys. But uh, we were over two hours of flying in that, a lot of bouncing around and. Hard part we, keeping, keeping station, you know, with each other. We definitely, definitely appreciated that and the time you took. And you mentioned the 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 the, uh, the Potomac. Um, did were you were you on the the formation flight that went uh, on the Arsenal for Democracy? No, I was not. No, I haven't done that. And they're planning on they were planning on something this coming May to do that um, to go up, and uh, but I don't know if that's been canceled. Uh, there was supposed to be a uh, formation flight to honor veterans uh, in May, I think the middle of May, but I don't, I haven't heard whether it's been canceled or not. I believe it's been postponed to September. Oh, good. There's still a chance. <laughs> Let's see, yeah. see where this COVID takes us. Um, in terms of aircraft, and you you mentioned a variety of aircraft that you've you've flown. Is there any particular aircraft of you know uh, the number of hours that you have that you haven't flown yet you would you wish to fly? Uh, 
Well, there's probably some jet fighters I'd like to fly. Uh, the L-39, I've ridden in, but I haven't flown. But uh, probably the Sabre, the uh, Sabre jet. My uncle and flew uh, in Korea, my dad's brother. Uh, he flew the F-86, and he actually flew the T-6 when he wasn't flying the uh, the fighter jet on missions. And uh, my uncle was a B-17 command pilot. Got shot down on his 12th mission in over Germany. Uh, there's actually pieces of the airplane still in a farm field. And there was a book published uh, a year and a half ago on that aircraft that crashed uh, near a home, set it on fire as well as a church. And there's actual photographs and all. But, uh, but I, yeah, I'd like to fly maybe the fighter jets. The Corsair, I don't have any time in that. I've ridden in them, but uh, I'd like to fly that airplane. But I'm happy with the T-6. Uh, I've got P-51 time. That's a fun airplane to fly. But uh, people like the T-6. It makes a lot of noise. Well, the last two inches of the prop uh, tip goes supersonic, and that's that's the growl you hear. Um, it's, it's funny. Funny you say that because that's that's the uh, the the phrase that is that is uh, said at an air show that we we all we all know it's coming. The sound that you hear <laughs> and it's all and in when, reference and to the. Got, and we we put we put seventy air at at the 80th anniversary two years ago at Oshkosh. We put uh, seventy aircraft up at once. Seventy T sixes. Twenty eight formed the number eight zero, and the rest were in a big delta formation behind that eight zero. And uh, you want to you want to talk about a growl, <laughs> but it, <laughs> I can people, imagine people think it's the engine. It's not. It's it's the prompt uh, that goes supersonic. And your 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 T six. What's the? Do you know the history of it? It's uh, was built in 1943. Um, it served as an attack uh, trainer uh, during World War II. From there, it actually it served in Korea and was was armed with uh, rocket and bomb uh, racks uh, and 30 caliber machine guns, three, two, one on each wing and one uh, on the nose section with a timing mechanism to shoot through the prop. And it served in Korea, survived Korea, and then it went into the Spanish Air Force. And uh, it's actually uh, notated in in a couple books for the Spanish Air Force. Um, I forgot what year it was back in maybe in the later 50s, early 60s, it was decommissioned and bought and by a company. And actually, I still have a placard in, in my airplane of the company that bought it. I can't recall who bought it, but uh, 50, 50 countries use this airplane uh, in their air forces, uh, including Russia and China and under the Truman Lend Lease program. and. Uh, Mine survived all all three uh, uh, services, so to speak, and was shipped back. They take them apart, ship them back, put them back together, and sell them. There are twenty five thousand built, a little over twenty five thousand built, and I'm not counting the Harvards. The Harvards are a Canadian version, slightly different wing and different exhaust system, but they look similar. Uh, there's probably only three hundred fifty. Uh, worldwide that are actually registered and not all are flying, but most are. Uh, so um, that's the that's, history on my airplane. That's And that's interesting. Uh, 
because of the fact that I was with the Spanish Air Force, and and I grew, I actually grew up in 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 Spain when my father was in the Air Force uh, uh, station at Torrejon. So you know the the, the black X on the tail is uh, pretty pretty meaningful to me. So I actually to know that I could look at now look at your uh, look at the photograph of you in the air to air and and just say you know hey there's a, there's an extra connection uh, of your you know your aircraft with me. Um, sure. So it's definitely that's. Yeah, I had that airplane repainted. It was originally painted in RAF colors and uh, multi-colored uh, camo color with robin egg blue on the bottom. But I, I wanted to put it back in the original Air Force uh, colors. Insignia. Definitely pops. I mean, the, definitely the, the 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 colors and the and the shine that it has. It definitely um, it, it, it's a it's a beautiful aircraft, and I really enjoyed. That, that, yeah, that design, that uh, graphic design on it uh, with the uh, with the red stripes on the uh, ele- on the elevator and the wings was originally from a Korean paint scheme uh, from a flight group over in Korea. And originally, I thought about doing it in orange and silver and orange, but I sent sent it to a graphics designer from a paint shop I, where I had it painted. Said, "Hey, send send your what you want done to this guy up in Canada." So he he did put it on the computer, and then I got talking to people. Said, "Make it red." <laughs> so and it does pop. You know, the red is much better. And I, I won Oshkosh as best T six. We had ninety one. T6 is there, and I won best T6 and uh, two years ago, and then I won best uh, uh, present uh, preservation award last year with it. That's impressive. Um, so, how many how many times have you been to Oshkosh? You're you've been going there for years, uh, three, or three, uh, no, three years actually. I've, I've been wanting to go, and then you know, since I had the T6, I, I finally went. So. And I'm planning, if they do hold it, they're supposed to make a decision here early May, uh, the middle of May, as to whether to hold Oshkosh this year. So I have a feeling they're going to either delay it or cancel it for this year. It'd be a shame, but you're talking a lot of people. This virus is very uh, contagious. It's There are flu viruses that are just as contagious, but what people are doing now, you know, they should have been doing the last 20, 30 years. I've never had a flu shot, and I've never had the flu because I'm doing what people are doing now, and I've been doing it for many, many years. So, exactly. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah, I learned in the grade. I learned in the grade school how to wash my hands. I hadn't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do any besides? You know, uh, you're based out of where? Well, I, I base the airplane during the show season uh, up in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan, South Central Michigan. Uh, during the winter, though, I bring it down to uh, Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia. Whiskey 91 is the identifier. I have a hangar here. Uh, it's just southeast of Roanoke, Virginia, about 20, 23 miles. It's a beautiful lake area. Uh, in fact, the fire call I was on, a rescue call, was for the Smith Mountain Lake Marine and Fire and Rescue. We have nine fire boats that cover 550 miles of shoreline on this lake. And, uh, and and do you do you, do you um, go to any air shows? Participate in any air shows? I do. I do air shows, and then we do actually events for veterans. I raise a lot of money for veterans and first responders. Uh, do car shows. Uh, Franken Frankenfurth, Michigan, is the largest car show in the world. Last year, we flew over 
60,000 people. There were 2,882 cars registered for the show, but there were 40,000 cars of antique version and classics uh, outside of that venue. Uh, we were asked to do a flyover for that because there's a lot of veterans around. Uh, we saluted them. Uh, we did free flyovers. So we do that. We do parades. Uh, we, Memorial Day is, uh, we've probably been doing it 20 years. I personally haven't. I've been flying to T6 since 2010. So I've been at it 12 years uh, or no, 10 years. And but that's been canceled where we fly over uh, services at, at uh, cemeteries for veterans uh, parades that are that take place on Memorial Day. So uh, it's a variety of flying, not just air shows. And sometimes guys just get together and we, you know, we get up and we, you know, we practice. We just have a good time. And you, I mean, you touched on something that uh, you don't hear a lot about. And and you said that uh, you fly at um, you know uh, services and or tributes to, to veterans and stuff like that and and that's that's very interesting because we talk this is a virtual air show um, and but we always we neglect those little tiny little uh, events that happen that don't get a lot of, uh, of of not that it's a something that needs to be publicized but it's something that's special it's something that I think that need to know that there are people there are a group of pilots out there that give back uh, to service members by providing a missing man formation or just a simple flyover um you know at a parade or an event or you know whatever and, and to, to to be a part of something like that it's got to be really really special yes it is you know and we don't you know people want to compensate us sometimes we don't take compensation and other other you know, sometimes, you know, because of the distance, you know, they, they want to at least provide, you know, money for our fuel. And, uh, but, you know, I do events where I don't receive any compensation, but I do it just to honor the veterans. And uh, I was supposed to have had an event here oh, uh, that was supposed to be a festival for the new Freedom Farm, which, which helps PTSD uh, veterans and first responders. It's a horse farm, but that show got canceled. But I flew over the farm anyway on April 4th. That's uh, when the show, when the festival was supposed to uh, be uh, take place. And they were going to have probably seven to 10,000 veterans there, including uh, the, uh, the motorcycle group, uh, the Thunder, uh, Rolling Thunder, which is chapters all over the united states so we had chapters coming in from texas michigan but i flew over and then the owner said can i you know pay you for your gas what you just did and i said no no i said it's not necessary i was glad to do it so. and that's and i think that that is um i can't thank you enough for 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 that and uh to 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 give back to to all those who served and, and those people who who it's you know it, it's it's personally gratifying and and i think that you know to be able to take your aircraft and be able to 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 do something special for somebody i think that that's beautiful yeah and i don't just do it uh for veteran you know i give back to kids there's kids groups i have over 200 young eagles like uh 200 kids that i've flown young eagles now that 
I don't do it in the T6s. That's a different world. From age, there we fly kids seven to seventeen, and to expose them to aviation and different facets of it. And I did most all of that flying in a Cessna 172 that I own. Um, but uh, and that is very rewarding. And I can remember some special, just certain kids that just that they're so bubbly and just the expression on their faces. And uh, but I, I've done that. I do. Uh, underprivileged kids there's a couple of events i've done in michigan where uh, church groups or kids who have never even been in an airplane so i'll put them in the cockpit and put my helmet on them and take pictures of them and you know it just it, it that's i also give that back i give back to kids too and and and, and you people people would be surprised to know that that little gesture of taking especially when you have uh, kids who don't have the means to even be close to an airport or or go to an airport or go to an air show just that little gesture right there is is definitely inspiring a a, a future uh, aviator and and it does more has a, a such a huge impact um on on a young generation yes, it does. um so taking that uh, that whole um giving to, 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 to children in a younger generation. Um, do you have any advice for the next generation of aviators? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not cheap to do, you know, unfortunately. And, uh, there, is, there is a shortage. Well, this coronavirus has created a, a glut of pilots because they're laying off pilots. They're, they're, the airlines are, offering voluntary furloughs for the older pilots. But uh, I just say that I would like to see the future pilots or kids who uh, get instructed to get with an older instructor, not a younger instructor who's just trying to build time. Uh, because, you know, kids are used to video games. The newer teaching airplanes are video screens and we've we've had it happen on the airliners where all those video screens have have gone belly up where they blank out and all that's left are the backup what we call steam gauges mechanical gauges and kids need to learn to fly just by by the gauges and not a video screen because there's a lot of distraction with those screens it, it it happened on the airline in the airline industry where there was too much heads down because of the computerized airplanes and the flight management systems. And the first thing to do, no matter what you're doing, is to fly that airplane. Don't don't be heads down and playing with with the uh, the video you know screens. Fly the airplane. And, I, and that's that goes across the board with a lot of things and i always get into discussion with the full disc uh, aviation guys because of the fact that i'm i'm still from a gen i'm from a generation that's you know the the, the uh, steam gauges mechanical versus the the computer screens um we have a, all sales, that's all you have and that's all visual and uh even when even when these kids get in a car i mean they're busy with the darn phones and <laughs> and adjusting the radio and all and that and I, and I taught my kids that way to just drive the car look through the trees look around the corner just don't look in front of you uh, 
don't get heads down with playing with the radio, that sort of thing. We have a, a couple of questions here. I want to see if we can get because we're coming to the end okay. of the time. So I have here from uh, Kurt R. Um, you mentioned the book about the the the, uh, the seventeen crash. Was it? Um, yes, do you know the do you know the name of the book? Uh, my, it's published in German. It's over. My brother has a copy of it. I'm supposed to be getting a copy of it. It was published by the son of the mother who lived in the house, um, but it's in German. And um, my brother has trans transcribed some of it through an app, uh, but it has pictures of it. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the book. Uh, I can I can easily find out. If you if you if you could, uh, then we'll, we'll just hit. Uh, um, I believe you're in contact with with James. Just send it to James, and we'll try to get that information out to out to Kurt. And uh, Kurt's telling us no worries, but uh, we'll see what we could do, Kurt. Um, and we have a question from Jed, and is uh, oh, can you recount a particular challenging situation that you had in the air? What happened? How did you resolve the issue? Uh, as far as like an emergency, I'm assuming sure. yeah, that something of that nature, something that was at least a challenge. Well, uh, in all the years, uh, there was well on the airline. I had a windshield crack at thirty nine thousand feet. In fact, I got pictures of it, and it's a good thing that didn't blow the middle middle window. There's three panes of window that are about a quarter to a half inch thick. Uh, on those windows and the heating elements cracked uh the window it, they arced created such a high heat that they uh, it cracked my window and i was over the atlantic at the time going to switzerland and uh there's not much you can do other than to strap in and, and in case that window blew, blew out but uh, uh you know lowering my altitude reducing the pressure in the cabin you know but the outer window was damaged, and that had that outer window been damaged more, it would have blown the whole. All the all three windows would have gone out. So um, that's that in the air, that's in the airline world. I've had them cracked before, but in general aviation, uh, I haven't lost any engines. I, I did have a bird strike actually. I was training in a T six. My first several flights, we I hit a buzzard or a hawk uh, coming out of about. Uh, 4,500 feet, and it, actually, I have it on camera. It was on a training down in Kissimmee with uh, with uh, training. Uh, Tom Richards was with me. He's my instructor. He's one of the most experienced warbird instructors in wow. the United States, if not the world. And we had him on. We had him on earlier today, earlier this morning. Yeah, he he was uh, my, my training, and we that he actually had the wing camera on, and we can see the bird hitting hitting the wing and it did twenty thousand dollars worth of damage structurally the airplane was fine but we immediately went back to the to the airport um, uh, the airplane airplane flew okay um, but i really haven't had any anything uh seriously happen i mean i've been in bad weather when i was building my time i've been probably in some of the worst weather anybody could be in uh, whether it be fog trying to get around or through thunderstorms you know, flying checks to build my time before i got hired by a corporation uh, previous to the airline uh, you just you, 
my, you know, to handle a situation, you just don't panic. You, you know, you react. I've lost engines on takeoff, you know, in, in the airliners. And you react. You don't, there's no time to think. You just react. And that, that comes with training and experience. Uh, you're trained to react. You don't have time to think, you know, in moments like that. You know, once, if you're in the air flying, you've got checklist and you've got time and you need to take your time. But it's just, just like, you know, what happened with the landing on the Hudson. They really didn't have much time. They reacted. You know, they started the checklist, but then they reacted. And Sully, who I knew, and actually I flew with him. He was actually, when he first got hired, he was one of my co-pilots. Um, but, uh, you know, he reacted. He did what he needed to do and proved that he couldn't make, make it back to the airport. So, yeah, that's def- definitely, def- definitely um, epitomizes that, you know, that, that, that particular situation. And, and, and to know that he was your co-pilot, that's uh, it's a, an interesting um, aspect to hear. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, many, um, when he first got hired, he, he flew, I believe, for PSA, Pacific Southwest Airlines, because uh, he's originally from California, I believe. All right. Um, with with that, Lou, I want to. We've come pretty much to the end of our time. Um, and um, what's next for you? Uh, next thing, I just flew my airplane up north to Michigan, and it's uh, going it's about to go through an annual. So I'm just waiting on the air shows. In the meantime, I volunteer with the fire department, so I respond to calls and rescues. Uh, and uh, basically, you know, basically, I'm retired, but I'm more busy now than I've ever been. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> it is. It is. So, uh, but uh, yeah, just waiting on you know this coronavirus and see what air shows are canceled, events are canceled. So that's I'm just waiting to see you know how my schedule pans out for the rest of the rest of the season. So, you're, you're in the same situation. The same situation as all of us, and in the meantime, we're yeah, sitting we're here in a virtual holding, air show. We're in a holding pattern. That's correct. Three-minute three holding pattern. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lou, I I want to thank you, uh, all of us at uh, Full Disc Aviation and Mud Spike Aviation, for joining us here at this virtual air show. It was it was a joy. Finally, the time 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 to sit down and talk with you. And uh, just kind of reminisce about our air to air, and 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 just listening to what you have to say it was very definitely really fascinating. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in this on the circuit and wherever. So uh, thank you well, for being it. here. I enjoyed this very much. It's part of giving back, and uh, I hope uh, I've informed people you know about aviation and excited people about it. Uh, I'm still, I'm still like I'm still like a little kid. I'll I'll be 69 in November, and I feel like I'm still 17. Oh, well, and 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 that is that spirit, and and that's what uh, that uh, com- that trend you know comes out, and definitely I'm sure that you've inspired some uh, some people out there um, to to get in the cockpit, and definitely you know, um, look at it. You know, we're trying to give back as well here at the virtual air show, so that's what this is all about is to people and interested I you, you know doing this on your part uh, i really thank you for doing this 
It's our pleasure. So with that, everybody, I want to thank you all for being here. Uh, Nick, thank you for um, backing me up here and flying co uh, as co-pilot. And um, my pleasure. Stick, stick around because there's much more to come. So we'll be back. We're going to take a, a quick 15-minute uh, break, and then you'll have um, the, the rest of the show to listen to because there's still a lot to, a lot to talk about. And, and again, thank everybody for joining us. And so with that, uh, Zulu out. Thank you for tuning in to this aviation conversation. We hope that our discussion of aviation brought a smile to your face. This was our first time hosting this event, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. We welcome any feedback to improve these future events. You can find Full Disc Aviation online at www.fulldiscaviation.com and Mudspike Aviation at www.mudspikeaviation.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.